Commit to the Flagship Podcast, everybody. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Uh, very excited uh, to be joined here. Uh, Red River Shootout Week by the one and only Gabe Iker. This guy is a media star, and we we've been talking to him since he was, you know, just starting out. We like to say, hell, I covered the guy. He played on the offensive line for Oklahoma. And, um, and then he's just, uh, he's blowing up. You hear him on uh, Sirius XM radio, big 12 today, channel 375. He's got a great podcast with Teddy Lehman. The Oklahoma breakdown is the name of that podcast. And then, uh, of course he is part of the OU football radio broadcast, Gabe, um, how are you, my man? I I know we're I, I I appreciate you talking to us. Um, you just drove back. I listened to your podcast. I know you just drove back from Fort Worth. How you holding up? I I am doing well because I did not have to coach or play in that game. I just had to uh, be part of the radio broadcast. Chip, yeah. So, not to be too dramatic, but I've seen a lot of OU football. Um, I my fandom started in the 90s. I went to my first game in 1995. So my first couple of years as a fan, uh, not fun, right? With how things went there uh, in the mid to late 90s before Bob Stoops got to Oklahoma. Schnellenberger. Um, yeah, not John Blake, not good yes. times. John Blake, not good times. But with the role that I've been in for OU now. Saturday was about the least fun I've had watching an OU game. And it was a combination of things. Didn't play well. Uh, TCU, uh, that offense, did pretty much whatever they wanted. Uh, all kinds of mental errors, mistakes from Oklahoma, and then a lot of injuries, including two really scary ones, right, where you know Dylan Gabriel's kind of laying there motionless on the field. And then uh, Damon Harmon has to be, you know, put on a back brace, taken off on a stretcher, um, that whole thing. Now, luckily, both of those two young men are, are doing well, which is which is great news. But it was it was a long Saturday in Fort Worth, man. Oh, and I uh, I'm glad to hear that Dylan Gabriel um, and Damon Harmon are are you know, that they have feeling in their extremities because it was a, it was a crazy night uh, across football. Texas had a situation, CJ Donaldson, where they cut his pads and Jersey off and, and put him on a backboard. And, um, you know, it is a violent sport, you know, it way better than I do. And uh, there's no place for the hit that, uh, that Dylan Gabriel suffered. Good God. Um, Kamoy Hodge, uh, ejected for targeting, but that that was horrifying. If you saw uh, Dylan Gabriel, the back of his helmet bounce off the turf. Uh, he was sliding for crying out loud, um, feet first. I mean, that's a hands off situation. Uh, but but here we are, um, Gabe. We'll we'll come back to the offense. I think the part that just kind of boggles everyone's mind is Brent Venables defensive minded head coach and the last couple games the they can't stop the run 
and Texas couldn't stop the run last year. So Texas fans are well aware of what that's all about, but um, you know, K-State and obviously two talented veteran running quarterbacks who both um, Adrian Martinez and Max Duggan, who both go over a hundred yards, but you know, what, what are you seeing there? Because 8.8 yards per carry by TCU, who's loaded. I mean, Kendra Miller, uh, dug in, they got weapons. You got to defend the whole field, but what are you seeing, um, you know, in the mindset of this OU defense right now? It is, uh, now I do, the guys are playing hard, right? They're playing with good effort. They just, there seems to be a lot of thinking going on out there on the field. And, you know, you look at some of the big plays that they gave up uh, against TCU. I mean, there's 10 guys that are doing the right thing. And then one guy busting. And you just can't play defense that way. I mean, you cannot play good defense without all 11 guys doing their job. And that's the frustrating thing uh, about that game. I mean, they they didn't do a lot of things well, right? I mean, they didn't tackle well, uh, didn't get lined up well, didn't adjust to some of the things that TCU was doing to them, right? You know, kind of changing gaps, making gaps, moving with different moving parts, and guys didn't fit things well, but the really disappointing part was touchdown plays of 73 where a corner just for whatever reason isn't in the deep third of the field in the cover three concept. Couldn't tell you why a 67 yard touchdown run for Max Duggan where one guy's just not doing his job. Uh, There was another 62 yard touchdown and another 69 yard touchdown just busts. And I mean, you can try to blame the coaches, but at some point, like the players are the ones that are playing the call and there was, there was really nothing wrong with the calls. I mean, players got to go out and perform. They got to make plays. And there are some, there's some things that Oklahoma's defense is really struggling with right now. One is just how to leverage the football and the guys are struggling uh, especially linebacker, some of the guys in the secondary struggling, you know, called where they fit in the puzzle of the defense, where, how to leverage tackles, uh, where their help is. Like if they're going to miss, right, where do you miss to make sure that you're kind of forcing it all back to your buddies and to the help and just some, some serious breakdowns in that and happened against Kansas State happen even more in a bigger way against TCU and really the the bottom line for Oklahoma's defense in that TCU game is TCU could have scored 70 if they wanted to I mean Yeah, I mean TCU They pulled Duggan. Oh, I mean Max Duggan's playing fantastic football and and he's been around. I mean Texas fans know him. He's 2 and 0 against Texas. Um, well, two and one, if, if you count, um, last year and you should, um, but you, you look at Oklahoma and when, 
you know, 5.6 yards per carry against K-State, 8.8 against TCU. Um, as I said, Texas couldn't stop the run last year. It's demoralizing. Oklahoma ran for big chunk touchdowns against Texas last year. Um, huge. Caleb Williams ran for, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown. So who are the tip of the spear guys on that OU defense who will hold the others accountable to get them right? I, I do think, I think that I think the football team in general has good leadership. I, I really do. And clearly that starts at the top with Brent Venables, the other members of the staff. But I mean, like on the roster, uh, I do think they, they've got some good veteran leadership. But typically, typically your best players are your best leaders, or that's what you're hoping for. And right now, now Billy Bowman has been a guy, now he's only a sophomore but he's been a guy that's played at a really high level. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the TCU game uh, on a kickoff return. So he has been, you know, a real bright spot for that defense. He didn't play the majority of that football game. Uh, both linebackers, I think David Aguebu has has emerged as a leader, uh, a guy that's more willing to say say things, speak up, right? Same probably can be said about Danny Stutzman, but... You know, both of those guys have had a tough time the last couple of games, fitting some things, you know, coming downhill, playing with physicality, a lot of thinking. And, and Venables puts a lot on his inside backers. But I, I always, I've always thought that if you're going to have leaders, man, you want them on your defensive line. Because I, I've always believed that playing great defense starts with playing really, really well along the defensive front. And unfortunately, Oklahoma played some really good football along the defensive line the first three games, and they've been really unproductive the last two games. You know, Kansas State's offensive line took it to them. TCU's offensive line took it to them. And I, I thought Jalen Redmond actually played a pretty good game against TCU. I thought he held up pretty well in the middle. He's not a vocal guy, though. Reggie Grimes has been a bright spot for the defense, but you know the the production just hasn't been there for him the last couple of, of games. But he's a guy that will speak up and will say something. Uh, Ethan Downs, I think, is a guy that has emerged as a leader. But, man, words are – it is what it is. I mean, it, at this point, right, I think this defense – I mean, the most valuable thing would be for them would be to go out on the field and play well against Texas. Right? You can talk about it all you want. Talk's cheap, man. You got to go out there and do it. And the reality is, they've been carved up two weeks in a row, and now teams teams have seen what you really struggle with on tape. And last time I checked, Steve Sarkeesian's pretty good at dialing things up offensively. He's going to see some of these things that that Oklahoma has struggled with when it comes to fitting the run, and he's going to come up with a lot of creative ways to to put eye candy in front of these backers, these safeties, and to make it tough on them to adjust to how all these gaps are changing with the split zone, uh, with the counter stuff that everyone's been giving them, and we'll see if they can do it, right? It, there's... I, I know this about the guys, and it's the entire 
Oklahoma team, but the defense, like, they're putting in a lot of time. They're putting in a lot of work. They're just not getting the results that they want these last couple of weeks. So whatever they got to do, they got to figure it out, though, because TCU's offense was, I mean, really explosive and really good. And, you know, if Quinn Ewers is back for the Longhorns, man, this – this could be the best offense they faced up to this point. And that's coming off two weeks in a row where you have just been absolutely carved up by the opponent. So I know this, they can't feel sorry for themselves, Chip. Yeah. <laughs> they got to figure it out. And, you know, you you try to solve as many issues as you can in, in the meeting rooms and on the practice field. But I think what this defense needs most is to go out and prove to themselves and to each other that you know, they're better than what they put on the field the last couple of weeks. Well, if anything can bring it out of you, it's that environment in the Cotton Bowl. It's, it's yeah. like none other. It, it, uh, I, I talk all the time. You know better than I do. The sound never goes down, so it's freaky. For the team that doesn't have the momentum, it can, it can drown you. For the team that does have the momentum, it can carry you like a tidal wave. Uh, and the momentum shifts in that game are are like none other. Um, but they but the Sooners will not be facing a a true dual threat quarterback uh, because even Hudson Card, who was recruited to Texas as a dual threat quarterback, they don't you know Sarkeesian doesn't run designed quarterback runs. Now he's made some big scrambles for key first downs on you know drive sustaining runs. Um, you know he had a thirty two yarder. Uh, on second and 22 against UTSA, uh, but they will not have to uh, defend designed quarterback runs. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Gabe Eichert, former Oklahoma Sooner. Uh, you hear him on Channel 375, Series XM Radio, Big 12 today. The guy's a media star. Uh, we'll come back with Gabe Eichert, talk about the offense um, of the Sooners as we count down to the 2022 version of the Red River Shootout, the greatest game day atmosphere in sports. Gabe, obviously Texas and Oklahoma could both be making a quarterback change in terms of the starter this week. We don't know yet about Dylan Gabriel, who uh, Brent Venable said is being evaluated for a possible concussion. Um, and as you mentioned, Quinn Ewers could be healthy enough to return as the starting quarterback replacing Hudson card, who probably had his best game as a longhorn against West Virginia on Saturday night. Uh, but Davis Bevel comes in uh, the transfer from Pitt, and what, how would you evaluate his play? I thought Jeff Levy did a good job of trying to get him in a rhythm, right? Trying to give him some easy throws, uh, even dialed up some called QB run game. For him to just try to get him to settle down, but he looked like a guy that was out there and the game was moving really fast for him. Right. And you could just tell, and I don't think it's from a lack of preparation or anything like that. Chip, it's just, he was thrown into a, you know, to a bad situation, right? Dylan Gabriel just got knocked out of the game. OU was already in a deep hole in the football game. It just, it was not an easy spot for Davis Bevel, but he, yeah, he didn't, he didn't play particularly well, 
uh, against TCU, but I mean, didn't make any critical mistakes. But yeah, it it, it was clear, it, or at least for me, once Dylan Gabriel went out of that game, even though Davis Bubble, I, after Gabriel got hurt, they actually did go down and score a touchdown. But it became clear to me that the offense was definitely more limited and that really um, game was pretty much over once Gabriel went out uh, just because the, with the way that Oklahoma's defense uh, wasn't, a, wasn't able to get stops that Oklahoma's offense just wasn't able, wasn't going to be able to keep pace without Dylan Gabriel. So Davis Bevel's a big guy. I mean, he's all of six, six looks good. Like the whole thing, but, he he's gonna have to, and I'll say this about Dylan Gabriel. And every concussion's different, and every guy handles them differently. But traditionally, my personal experience with this, Oklahoma has always been very very conservative with guys that have suffered head head injuries. Now, not to say that like if you don't clear all the protocol that, but they do everything by the book. And, you know, I, I thought Oklahoma's training staff did a tremendous job with, with the Dylan Gabriel situation and the Damon Harmon situation in that TCU game. But, yeah, I, I don't know when we'll even know if Dylan Gabriel is going to be available. But Davis Bevel, he's, he's got to prepare like he's the starter, right? And you talk about... <laughs> Walking into a tough situation in your first career start. Oh, my God. Yeah, stars are made in that game. He might have started a bowl game for Pitt, I think, when Pickett uh, opted out. But, I mean, this is like to to walk into OU Texas and it be your first start in an OU uniform. That is a tough situation for, uh, for Davis Bevel, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's the biggest stage uh that uh that you'll play on um uh, again just the incredible circumstances of it but um guys who can help him I mean Javante Barnes looks like a dude um you know 18 carries 100 yards uh in the game against TCU uh averaged almost 6 yards a carry two touchdowns uh, Eric Gray looked like he might be limited um, from an injury standpoint. What? Uh, how would you assess the OU running game? Yeah, the running game is, you know, the running backs have been good. Uh, Eric Gray's been really, really strong for this team. Very elusive. He's added weight this year. He's got more power. He's finishing more runs. Uh, still catches it really well out of the backfield. He's been, he's been the most consistent guy. But yeah, uh, suffers a leg injury in the TCU game. Uh, not sure if he could have gone back in or not. At that point, the game was well out of hand. So not sure if that was just them being overly cautious or if there could be something more there. But Marcus Major didn't play, uh, didn't suit up, didn't even see him at the TCU game. He suffered an ankle injury in the K-State game. And Typically, kind of in his past, he's had a lot of injuries in his career at OU. Like, it's taken him a while to get back, but he had been really, really good for them. Kind of as that complimentary back to Eric Gray, bigger back, running really physical. 
the the one-two punch at running back for Oklahoma had been really good. Now all of a sudden you look at banged up major, banged up gray, and your main back is a true freshman. Now he's a talented guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but you know, you you don't want to be playing a bunch of true freshmen in this game, you know. Yeah. And but Javante Barnes, I thought he got he got more comfortable as the TCU game went on. Right? He started becoming a little more patient, uh, let his blocks, you know, let he he set up his blocks better as the game went on instead of, you know, kind of running up into the back of offensive linemen. He let things develop and guy's explosive. Uh, he's going to be a really, really good player for Oklahoma, but he's a freshman. He makes, he makes some freshman mistakes, but one thing he's, he has done lately, he's done a good job uh, of taking care of the football, right? Hadn't put it on the ground in these last couple of weeks. So he is, he's a dynamic player. There's no doubt. And if that offensive line can, can do, can open up some holes for him, find, you know, open up some running lanes for him, then he, he can definitely do some damage. But if Gray's hurt and Major's still hurt, I mean, all of a sudden, Oklahoma is very, very, very thin at running back. Well, it, it receiver, uh, Texas fans know all about Marvin Mims. He good. Um, but, uh, Break down the receiving core for the Sooners this season. Yeah, it's it's been solid. You know, it really has. And, you know, there's just been some man, some near misses from Dearlin Gabriel. He's actually, he's kind of been up and down, you know, even before he got hurt in the TCU game, just missed some throws, missed some throws in the Kansas State game where, and it's weird because sometimes he's really, really accurate. And then he just has these, inaccurate throws that are just kind of head scratching and Marvin Mims. He's arguably been the best football player for Oklahoma's team. I mean, he's explosive. He's he added weight, added strength, added speed. Uh, playing with more of a chip on his shoulder, you know, playing with a ton of emotion. He's been fun to watch his, his stat lines have not reflected how well he's playing. He should have more catches. He should have more yards. He should have more touchdowns. If him and Dylan Gabriel will be able to just connect on some of these deep balls, they're barely missing. Man, he would have, he'd have a much better, uh, you know, some much better stats. But Jalil Farouk is a dynamic player. Uh, the staff is really excited about him. He hasn't had that breakout game yet. It'd be awfully nice if it could come in the Cotton Bowl. That would that would be very helpful for the Sooners offense. Uh, Theo Weiss is back. He's healthy. He he landed kind of awkwardly on, on a high throw from Bevel in the in the TCU game, but you know, it seems like he could have gone back in and played if that game wasn't so out of hand. So I, I'm expecting him to be fine. And then a guy that has really added a lot as a pass catcher is Braden Willis. I think. It's between him and Mims for who the best player on OU's entire team has been. Uh, Braden Willis plays as hard as anyone I've seen play in a long, long time. It's been great in the running game as a blocker at that tight end, H-back position, and he's done some good things. 
catching the football. He's kind of if if I just say OU had, you know, one leader of the team, I think it's Braden Willis. That's that's uh those are the guys who are gonna rally the troops uh in a time like this. You know, Gabe, one thing I, I found interesting, one of your colleagues over there at uh, Sirius XM Radio, Rick Neuheisel, said um, coming out of Big 12 Media Days that Brent Venables is always at a 10. You know, he's just so much energy and and always up here. And he wondered if you can maintain that level as a head coach um, because you can wire your guys up too much and – and guys maybe, uh, you know, overthink things or, or something. How would you assess uh, Venable's demeanor in connection with the with the players? I, I think it's really, really good. Um, just from the conversations I've had with players, I mean, they love him. Now, he's extremely demanding, and he was that way when I was there, and he was the defense coordinator. Like, that's just him. But – you're not going to outwork him. So as a player, you you kind of just follow his lead cuz like that he's a grinder, man. He's an absolute grinder. But I think he's he's done a good job of delegating so far as a head coach now with the way that they've played defensively the last couple of weeks. <laughs> we'll see how <laughs> how long he's not calling that defense, right? Now I I don't know. I, I know he's tried to let Ted Roof do his thing, but you know he's been very active on the sideline in the defensive huddles, making making adjustments. Like he, he is still very much involved on the defensive side, right? He he's kind of driving that whole thing, but the guys believe in what they're doing, and they believe in the work they're putting in. Um, I, I don't expect that to to waver just because they've lost a couple games. Now, hey, maybe some guys do, right? Maybe that's only natural. But I, I don't think OU's issues, especially defensively, I don't I don't think they are they have anything to do with Brent Venables being a first time head coach. I think they have a lot to do with, you know, Guys learning a new defense and guys making a lot of mistakes out on the field. Well, so. and I think I think I heard coming out of Big 12 Media Days that his schemes are complex. Well, They're defense is complex. That's what that this is <laughs> this is the truth about college football now. With everything these offenses do, with shifts and motions and all the RPO game and quarterback run game, all these things like People can think defense is simple all they want. Like, oh, they play simple defense. Nothing about defense is simple anymore. If you're playing a simple defense, you're going to get carved up. Now, you can keep things. You can find out what you're really, really good at. But with how complex offenses are, like, you have to, you have to know that, hey, if this guy motions, we go from coverage A to coverage B. If this guy shifts or motions... That blitz that was on over here is now off, or it's over. It's now on over here. Like defense isn't simple. A lot of people think defense is just oh, line up in this structure, see ball, get ball. It's not. I mean, 
it's just not that it Pete Krakowski and Gary Patterson would be the first ones to tell you that like you want to keep things simple right but offenses with everything they do now you you have to be complex on defense and Venables has always been that way very complex very multiple puts a lot on his players plate I I'll say this the issues they've had have been uh, I mean some of the issues have been in day one install of training camp stuff where you just look at it and you go how are they messing that up like so I I don't think I don't think it's been too complex I just don't think the guys have played it very well yeah so th these last couple of weeks the first three weeks <laughs> they were great yeah. looked awesome and it's just kind of falling off a cliff well, big picture question for you, and we'll we'll let you go. I know you're going 100 miles an hour. How how good are TCU and K State? I mean, you've got Kansas undefeated, but let's stick to what you've seen up close and personal. How good are uh, TCU and K State? I I think TCU's offense is legit, like very legit, and I think K State's defense is legit. I still I still wonder if if it comes down to Adrian Martinez having to win a game throwing the football, which I know is not what K-State wants to do offensively. I wonder what happens, right? And he's been great these last couple of weeks. But we we all remember what he was the rest of his career. So you're kind of wondering is that going to show up? Uh Deuce Vaughn's spectacular though but they don't have like it's really hard in today's day and age of college football to just be so one-dimensional offensively like they are so i i wonder if that's going to end up you know biting them and then tcu i that offense is going to score points against pretty much everyone i think i mean if they can play well along the offensive line which i I was really, really surprised that OU's defensive line wasn't more productive against that O-line from TCU, but Duggan's playing the best ball of his career. Kendra Miller is legit at running back. Quentin Johnson, Savian Williams are monsters at wide receiver. Darius Davis and Tay Barber can both fly. They got guys, and that was the thing that really stood out to me. Like Their skill position, guys, they look damn good like yeah. up close yeah that was the thing that's so why i was like dang okay it was one of those where, whew, okay they got dudes now but i i probably lean towards tcu just because i kind of always lean towards a dynamic offense now but k-state that defense is i mean that's tough it's a tough group so the big 12 is going to be an absolute massacre this season it's gonna be fun well last thing i know you're probably thinking OU coming off the ks you know the ksu k-state loss at home would have been snarling mad in fort worth um what do you think this ou team you know where their confidence level is and what that atmosphere can do to to help or how do you see saturday playing out i <sighs> There, there's some unknown, right? 
quarterback situation for both. The, the quarterback situation is that's the key. I I do not like Oklahoma's chances if Dylan Gabriel's not playing. I'll just be honest. And that's and I I would expect Davis Bevel to be ready to go, right? If if that ends up being the case, he'll get a full week of reps with ones levy will get an entire week to build a game plan around his strengths like but in this game you got to have your guys right like <laughs> i mean it and if you're going in there with a backup quarterback that's just not where you that's not where you want to be um now texas's situation is different because i think cart i mean cards a quality quality backup quarterback so defense is limping in Maybe not even limping. I uh, maybe getting rolled in a wheelchair into this game with how it's gone the last couple of weeks. But you know as well as I do, this game's weird. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It which was one of the one of the reasons that it's so great. It's so great. Last but year, every last Texas year. fan's dream in the first half, their oh worst gosh. nightmare in the second. Exactly, and that's that's just the reality of of OU Texas and what makes it incredible. But with how good Texas is offensively, and I do think Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy, and I know he's been banged up a little bit. I I think that is the best. I think it's the best combination at wide receiver and running back in the country, probably, definitely in the Big Twelve. I mean, maybe Ohio State's got an argument, but I – or yeah, that's probably about it. And if your defense is struggling, like the defense has to play much, much better or else Texas is going to score 50. That's just where – I mean, that's just it. Uh, even with a couple of the young guys on the offensive line, like they're so dynamic – at the skill positions, I, I'll tell you this right now, Chip. You know how all the stuff that Sark likes to do, he throws those quicks out, just the screens. It's just like extended run game, right? Right. TCU destroyed Oklahoma with that. They're going to throw 10 of them and make Oklahoma's defensive backs be physical at the point of attack, get off blocks, fit it properly and I don't know we'll see but like instead of you know throwing those out to Darius Davis or to like you're gonna throw them out to Xavier Worthy that's how they opened the game against OU last year yeah it went for 75 yards I remember yeah Yeah. and so we'll we'll see but I mean and I, I hate to be so negative about the old alma mater, but there's not much to be excited about defensively right now with how they've played the last couple of games. Now, the things, uh, you know, Teddy Lehman, who I do the podcast with, he, he thinks they're fixable, which is good, which is good, because if he was like, we're doomed, that would be a different story. But the... I think the reality heading into this game is Texas is favored. They should be favored. Um, 
And if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, I'll if Texas doesn't win the game, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, man, oh my gosh, your fan base should just lose it. Well, but you never know. This game right. is nuts. You never, you never know. know. But I will uh I will remain optimistic, Chip, uh that that the good guys will come out on top in this one. But yeah, it's I I'm, feel I'm not like gonna... this is it's been a long, long time since OU fans have felt like this going into this game. Yeah. Long time. I'm not gonna lie. Watching that that OU TCU game, I was I was like, is this really happening? Um, because as imagine you said, being there in person, Chip. And having to talk about it to thousands in in the moment. And, I that that's why we love is, you, Gabe, because you're you don't, well, I, you don't I think hold it's back. important, like obviously I'm an OU guy, but like you just kind of have to call it how you see it, man. And this is also very, very important to to note. Eric Gray got hurt. Marcus Major was hurt and didn't even play. Theo Weiss got banged up. Um, Anton Harrison got banged up. Uh, McCade Matoyer got banged up. Andrew Rame got banged up. Uh, Damon Harmon, that was just a scary, scary situation. Uh, Jaden Davis got banged up. Billy Bowman got banged up, didn't play. Uh, Marcus Stripling's been banged up, didn't play. Or Mason Thomas banged up, didn't play. Like they are, not only are they, they probably, they're probably lacking confidence coming into the game. They're also beat the hell up. And I didn't even mention Dylan Gabriel. Right. Right. So who is the most important one? So to say that to say that I am not confident heading into this game is probably accurate, but playing in it in four times, going to it a lot, I know weird things happen. So we'll see what happens. If hopefully OU can be healthy for the game, but man, oh, Wanye Morris, he was in a sling the the entire second half. I think I've mentioned all the injuries. It's it's bad. Yeah, that's a bad. long injury the report. The defense is playing bad. The offense has been too inconsistent, missed too many opportunities, leaving too many points on the field. I think Jeff Levy's been really good. They're just missing opportunities. But is that is that what you wanted? That. Well, that covers. I feel like I, I feel like this was free therapy. Thanks, Chip. Well, I, listen, that's why I'm here, Gabe. And I I would tell everyone to listen to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast. You guys are you're uh, you're maybe you're intentionally funny, but you're unintentionally hilarious. Like you all talking your way into the podcast about the TCU game, saying we didn't really talk much on our drive home from Fort Worth, did we? You know what we did was we we listened to Texas. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're up 20. What was it? 28 to nothing. I was like, awesome. Yeah. Playing complimentary football like they hadn't been um, now. I was like, maybe JT Daniels, maybe they can get something going offensively. Boom. I was like, oh, man. Okay. This is, it was one of those days where OU got destroyed. Now, A&M lost, which was nice. That that made us feel a little better, but 
USC is rolling. You can imagine how that makes us feel. And then Texas put it on West Virginia. It was just like, oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, it is going to be a crazy ride through this Big 12 season. I had Texas fans saying, I'm not going back to the Cotton Bowl after last year. That was, you know, um, you know, Texas football is in a wife beater, just just battering my my ability, my fandom um, because of that incredible first half. And then the the Freddy Krueger second half. But <laughs> as you said, Gabe, it is it, it's every week brings a new twist and turn. So um, I know I can't wait to get there. I know you can't wait to get there. It's the greatest game day atmosphere in sports. And I know you're going 100 miles an hour. Really appreciate your time, my friend. And keep up the good work on Sirius XM, Channel 375, Big 12 Today, the uh, Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, and all your work uh, for the Oklahoma Radio Network uh, for OU Football Broadcast. Really appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And just, uh, you know, for all the Texas fans that are coming to the game, maybe if you see an OU fan, maybe just give them a hug, man. Put your they, arm around them. They, they need it right now. You you guys have been through some rough patches here recently, <laughs> and we're we're struggling right now. So maybe maybe just give them a hug, you know? Yeah, lull, lull them to sleep, right, Gabe? Yeah. Lull them yeah. to sleep, and then – we need hey, we need all the positivity we can get right now, but um hey. no matter what happens, like you mentioned, it's it's the best game in all of college football. It's the coolest venue in all of sports. So you know, what happens on the field is is good is what it is. I'm just excited Living to history. uh to experience another one, man. Yeah. Well, for Gabe Eichard, I am Chip Brown. Um, until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and keep the faith.